Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the 590th edition of the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show. I'm your host, Daniel Feuerstein. I'll give you American perspective of our clubs, leagues, players, national team, and other fabulous moments to get your daily reading from me and other writers over at Red Bull News Network, as well as Beyond the 90 at Substack.com. But as always, this show is dedicated to the American game here in this country. Chat room is open. Come on in. Discuss amongst yourselves if you like. You have a question for me, I try to answer it to the best of my abilities. Before we get to the big story that everyone wants to talk about, I know everybody wants to talk about this man coming over to MLS. We'll get there in just a moment, I promise you, uh, with my first guest. But let me talk about something real quick, and that is a recent article in The Athletic with Jeff Reuter talking about, unfortunately, more angst and more negativity towards the U.S. Open Cup. And that, that is just aggravating. It makes me angry and it makes me upset because why? Because apparently we have a gentleman who is a part of the Major League Soccer's Players Association, the Players Union, and uh, Mr. Bob Foos gives his two cents about the Open Cup, and from the quotes – Here is what he said in a negative way. I think our players' workload is going to be an increasing issue moving forward and certainly something we think will be a big issue in our next round of negotiations. I think they're in certain circumstances playing too many games, and I think that's only going to increase as time goes on. I know the league has worked a lot with the Federation and tried to be respectful of what they're trying to do, but I can tell you that the U.S. Open Cup is certainly not something that our players look forward to. You know, something's got to give on player workload all over the world, and we are no different here. The calendar has gotten very congested, and we're, as an industry, going to have to make some choices. We haven't taken a formal MLSPA position on the Open Cup. I will say my personal opinion is that it's not at the level that our players should be playing at. At this point, the venues aren't there. The facilities aren't there. The structure of the tournament isn't contributing to making MLS a better league, and I think it's something that ought to be pondered. Mr. Foos, this ridiculous statement made by you against the Open Cup. But you are correct, sir, that the calendar is getting congested. So what is the simple fix for a congested calendar? Why? Very simple. Get rid of the League's Cup. 
why were the playoffs format changed again? Why are we adding more games into the quarterfinal round of the playoffs? Why is that? Why are we allowing these stupid League's Cup ideas, the Campeones Cup, and so on and so on, to be allowed to stand where you and Commissioner Don Garber wants to get rid of it because you can't grab a hold of it because it's U.S. Soccer's national championship? Do you see what goes on in Europe? Do you know that they got to play in multiple tournaments, not only domestically, but across their continent of UEFA, across the continent of South America, in Conmebol? Do you not see what goes on over there? And has there been, uh, you know, problems over there playing a League Cup tournament? an FA Cup tournament, a regular season, and those clubs that are being involved with Champions League, Europa League, now Conference League, what about South America? They have the Libertadores and the Sudamericana. What do we have here? It's really simple. Expand the calendar, get rid of the playoffs, get rid of the League's Cup, get rid of the Campeones Cup. Have a structured season to allow the Open Cup games to be played on the weekends. This is where U.S. soccer has failed. This is also where MLS has failed. Because we are seeing more stupidity against the game and how the, the merit of the sport is being destroyed. This, my friends, is the wrong way to go. I have said before, for these people to no longer complain about the Open Cup to complain no more about certain facilities that are not meant for the game in this country. This is what I've been talking about, but at the same time, this is not about what's good for MLS. This is what's supposed to be good about for the game in this country as a whole. That is the issue that is in front of us. The issue on what is good for the game in this country as a whole. MLS will do their own thing, that's fine. USL will do their own thing, that's fine. NPSL will do their own thing, that's fine. This is about the club game as a whole in this country to see not only who will be the best club every single year, countrywide with the Open Cup, but it's also a way to earn a spot in the CONCACAF Champions League, something that Mr. Foos continues to not pay attention about. 
It is important to have these types of tournaments. What do you think the, the NCAA the Men's and Women's Basketball Championship is all about? The Final Four. Because you have the small schools taking on the big schools to see who will go all the way to the end. The big majors, the mid-major schools. This is the same idea. Short-sided, Mr. Foose is. And you talk to people who cover the Open Cup, and they also cover their respective MLS clubs. Michael Batista on Twitter said, well, that's not true because I talked to the New York Rebel players, and so do I. And they have said, well, we can't wait to go and take on Hartford. We can't wait to go and take on Charleston or Pittsburgh below MLS. Maybe take on Lexington SC one day. So I don't understand the mixed messaging that's going around here by Mr. Foose. Why is this so hard? Why is this so hard? To understand that the U.S. Open Cup is a very important tournament in American soccer. Just because MLS cannot control it or, or do something with it doesn't mean it's, in, it's insignificant. You don't see the Premier League complaining about not controlling the FA Cup. Because that's England's tournament, the English FA's tournament. There is history with this tournament, and we're getting sick and tired of seeing people either representing Major League Soccer or those who are supposedly representing the players now in cahoots with Don Garber to say, this tournament means nothing. We should not even be part of it. It's ridiculous. No. Just like many people... And some of you who have said, well, we should just not even bother with MLS having uh, being a part of promotion relegation. We just throw away MLS and start a brand new first division so that we can allow promotion relegation. No, that's the same type of argument in a different context. No, we have to be together as one. And if we are not together as one, we have chaos. And sadly, we have chaos. Going to implement everything that we want to have this game as a whole and to be on the correct path. Everything has to be on the same page. Everybody, everyone, supporters, front office people, commissioners, presidents of each league, the U.S. Soccer Federation, we all need to be as one. Because if we are not as one, we are going to fall apart. We cannot allow ourselves to fall apart like this. But it doesn't matter because everybody is already fractured. That's why this show was meant to bring everyone together. But it doesn't matter what I say because all of you are going to go and join your own little groups, social media-wise, or whatever have you. You will have the pro MLSers, the anti MLSers, the pro U.S. soccer fans for for whole uh, for the whole thing to be together, everyone to be separate. 
I don't want this MLS player on the U.S. men's national team. Everybody from Europe that is American playing in Europe has to be on the U.S. men's national team. No overage players on, from MLS. No of this, no of that. It's getting to the point where it's now gone crazy. And everyone is at fault. Everyone. All these narratives are destroying our game and the good feeling and the positive trajectory. Not only our leagues are in, the sport is in, but our national team as well. Yes, everyone is at fault. U.S. soccer is at fault. MLS is at fault. USL is at fault. And some of you are at fault as well. Everybody is at fault. All I want, and all of you should want, is for everything to make sense and come together. We cannot throw away one thing just to fit a narrative. But it doesn't matter anymore, because that's all we are now, narratives. Garber has a narrative, and that's wrong. Mr. Foos now has a narrative. That's wrong. You want to know what my narrative is? I want the sport to be whole and healthy for everyone. Everyone. And if we are not going to be whole and healthy, what's going to happen five years down the road, ten years down the road? I don't know. I don't know. But one thing for sure is this. Okay for now. But the problem is, is that too much stupidity going on, and it's going to get ruined. And I don't want it ruined. I love this sport just as much as everyone else does, no matter where you are in this country. No matter if your favorite player plays in MLS, USL, or abroad in Europe or South America, wherever in the world. We can no longer be fractured. We have to be healthy and whole as one. And once again, Mr. Foos, the Open Cup is more important than this stupid League's Cup that Don Garber forced on us and forced CONCACAF on us as well. Great show for you tonight, ladies and gentlemen. Joining me right now, he's a happy camper. His friend, Uncle Ed, is a very happy camper. All of Miami is going absolutely ballistic because very soon, possibly, we know he said it, and I know it's coming, Lionel Messi is coming to Major League Soccer and is going to be with Inter Miami. Peter Brown, Football Miami TV, joining me right now. Peter, it is a wonderful time to be not only an American soccer fan, but of course being an Inter-Miami supporter that the greatest footballer on this planet, yes, we can say Cristiano Ronaldo's there too, but he's in Saudi Arabia and Lionel Messi is coming to your backyard. And it's about time. How are you doing, Daniel? (laughs) I'm doing great, Peter. What was that for you? And, all of Miami. I mean, I'm already, everyone's already seeing all the, 
the parties, the celebrations, the, the murals now being painted with Messi wearing a yeah. Inter Miami shirt. I mean, for yourself personally, what is that? What has this whole thing meant to you? Oh, it's 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 been great. You know, here in South Florida, some of us have seen MLS teams come and go. Miami Fusion being a faithful of that team, so knowing that you have a team and an ownership group that is willing to invest in the long haul, they're not going anywhere. Just that alone is a massive sense of security that this ownership they'll they'll pull out all the stops. They may drive the other owners crazy, from what I understand. We're not the most liked. Um, ownership team in the league, but, you know, it's only going to get worse now that we have Messi. But, you know, it's, it's, it's exciting, exciting times here. He, you, the, the concern that we have, though, is, is age. I mean, we're getting old here. I'm sure you want to get into some of the other players that they've talked about bringing in, but, you know, um, we've got to get this right because if we don't, the world is watching. If, if, and Miami does not have a history so far of getting it right. No, very true. And all I can say is that, you know, not since David Beckham, not since Thierry Henrique has come over to MLS, what they have done for the league uh, when their time came to play here in this country. And we all know how crazy uh, for South American football Miami is. We all know that they're the big port that leads to Central America, South America. And he can't go anywhere even if he is trying to be, uh, you know, hiding uh, behind his bodyguards, everybody knows when he's in yeah. town. Yeah, you know, a lot of a lot of uh, European players, South American players, come to MLS near the end of their career. They, you know, they want to be out of the limelight a little bit and still enjoy their football. That's not happening for Messi here in South Florida, and he he's not going to be able to walk the streets at all. He's he's well known. He's got a place in Miami somewhere. And everybody's already camping out at, uh, basically out by his front door, just waiting for him to get there. And so he, he yeah, he's going to be a massive star here. He's going to be the biggest star. Uh, probably, I mean, this, this city is probably, I don't know if ever seen. I mean, maybe, I mean, it's, it's, uh, the biggest global star for sure that's ever been in this town. So, you know, it's, it's going to be massive. He's, he's definitely not going to be, like so many other European players that have come over here and just be able to, you know, have a little bit of anonymity and go out for dinner and stuff like that. That's not going to happen. Not here. He's going to be a god nope. in the city. Absolutely. And I guess the big question is this, because whenever he plays for – when he did play for Barcelona uh, during, you know, uh, summer friendlies, of course, playing for Argentina in international friendlies – uh, he would, you know, they would come to the U.S. I know the last time he was in the U.S. is at Red Bull Arena for Argentina, but you know as well as I do, the pitch invaders are going to be very, very triggered to run at him, and they could be interrupting a league match. And look, you know as well as I do, yeah, yeah, DRVPNK Stadium, uh, Drive Pink Stadium. Um, while it's a beautiful facility, don't get me wrong, I think it's one of the great facilities in MLS. You, you know there's going to be a heavy – there's got to be a heavy security front, and maybe Dade County Sheriff's Officers <laughs> might have to come over as well. Yeah, they're, they're definitely going to have to enhance things. I mean, just at the last 
uh, game that I was at. I'm trying, I don't remember exactly who we played, but there were kids that ran out on the field, a couple of kids. It doesn't happen every game, but it does happen. Um, I remember we played against um, a, a team, an international team, a university I forgot the name. It was Universidade, something or other. But, uh, you know, and, and, and fans ran out on the field for, for that game as well. There's, the the security is fairly quick to get them, but they do hop over the – very easy to hop over and get in there. So, yeah, they're going to have to enhance it. They're already, they're already going to uh, increase the size of the stadium a little bit. And while they're doing that, I am sure they're going to uh, do something about, I don't know, raising some fences, something like that. Definitely increase uh, security. For sure, uh, you know, for now, right now, quite often the players walk from the training facility through a parking lot into the stadium. That's going to have to be rerouted or changed in some way. You can't have messy walk just freely walking through the the parking lot with one or two security guards. That's just not going to cut it. It worked for Phil Neville, but it's not going to fly with uh, with Messi. They're definitely going to have to increase security. But you know, increase security at not just at Drive Pink. It's throughout the league. Every city, every uh, that that Messi goes to, it it's gonna it's potentially gonna feel like a home match for for Inter Miami everywhere they go, and people are gonna want to get a piece of Messi in every city. I was actually just up in Orlando this weekend at Disney World, and I saw a guy with a Messi shirt. So I, I struck up a conversation with him. Guys from Chicago, and he he wants to go to to, to see Messi games, uh, but he's not a Chicago Fire fan. But he he does want to go see Messi, but he he at this point realizes he just got priced out, you know, because Messi coming those maybe thirty dollar tickets are probably two fifty five hundred maybe I'm not exactly sure, but they're definitely gone up in price. So it's enhanced security throughout the league. It really is. It, it really is. And I gotta tell you, uh, it's just been unbelievable. What's uh, this whole situation here when Messi, you just say his name and already grown men become children very fast. Oh, yeah. You know, it, was, it was interesting. To, you know, I think everybody down here will remember the moment you heard it became more or less official. You know, when he said in that interview that he's, he's taking his talents to South Beach, um, you know, he, you, you remember where you were. And I actually, I was on a cruise ship. Uh, I was I was actually at the Royal Caribbean private island, um, uh, Coco K, I think it's called. And, uh, you know, watching, I had the internet watching everything happening and all that stuff. But when I'm on that cruise ship, I, I decided to throw on my inner Miami Jersey that luckily I packed with me. And then throughout the entire cruise ship, everybody stopped and just yelling messy more so the workers of the cruise ship, which is everybody yelling messy and everything like that. Just, uh, they, they saw the pink shirt, and they just knew that meant messy. <laughs> yeah, crazy. It's no longer it's no longer a Barcelona shirt. It's no longer a PSG shirt. Uh, it's now an Inter Miami shirt. That's just unbelievable. And see, um, and of course, rumors are already going around. They said Busquets might be coming. Uh, other former yep. Barcelona players might be coming. Uh, you know, uh, you know. I I just gotta say this, and, and we all know there's going to be a lot of. Uh, transfers going on here before Messi officially comes over. But, I mean, there's already rumors about Pizarro leaving into Miami. But, you know, the first time time it worked around bringing over all these top players, not only domestically but abroad, it it didn't work out too well. What makes you think it might work well this time coming around? 
I'm not 100% convinced it will. I am concerned. You know, track record is what it is, and I am heavily concerned. Now, of course, it's different management. We got Chris Henderson pulling the strings where, you know, we had um, someone else. We had, we had Tubby in there before. And, uh, you know, so hopefully, however, behind him is still Jorge Moss, which can be a bit of a controlling owner. We love him, but he, he could be maybe a little bit of a George Steinbrenner of, of MLS. I don't know. He's very hands-on, and he's actually just learning the sport. So uh, I don't know how much he's in the ear of Chris Henderson, but he is quite a bit. I mean, we, you know, Inter-Miami has been somewhat handcuffed this entire season because they're, they were playing in the messy lottery. And it looks like we've won it, but, you know, so – like I said before, all eyes are on us. And I am concerned that we're getting old. They're talking about Busquets apparently is, is a more or less a done deal, and he's going to be a DP. We were hoping originally for a TAM level, but it's going to be a DP, which makes sense, seeing how much he made at Barcelona. It would be kind of hard to go from what I think somewhere in the neighborhood of $14 million a year to TAM level. That would be kind of a hard thing to, to accomplish. And then on top of that, their their strong rumors is are that Jordi Alba is coming in as well. That's the one that I scratch my head on. I don't know. I I, I don't know if I want to. I don't know if we need a, a you know a star left back. But you know the age concerns me because you know you know Messi's no spring chicken, but it's messy. Now you start bringing in Messi's right. friends, I start questioning. Yeah, how how are they going to play up against? you know, with, with some of our 18-year-old players that are just coming up from, from the academy. We have heard that they're, they're planning on bringing in potentially up to five new players in this uh, summer. So team's going to look very different. Um, there's also a, a, a young um, player that's rumored to be coming over, uh, Mokhtar Guy. I don't know if I'm saying his name right, from um, um, Real Saragoza which makes sense because Jorge Moss, our owner, is one of the uh, partners in that club as well. So, yeah, lots of changes coming. And, and I, you know, they, like I said, they have to get this right, but I am definitely concerned. And I guess finally for me, you know, you, my Inter-Miami is in the semifinals of the U.S. Open Cup on the road against FC Cincinnati, and there's a possibility – Messi could be playing in those games. Now, we don't know if uh, he will or not, but, you know, the possibility is there, and we haven't seen anyone big time to be in the Open Cup since, I would say, maybe David Beckham. But still, though, Messi. Remind me when that game is getting played. August 23rd. Okay, yeah, so it's possible. Because the the, uh, proposed start date for Messi in in a pink uniform is our... Uh, League's Cup game against um, the Mexican side. I think it's Cruz Azul. Um, I, mm-hmm. could, I could have that wrong. But, um, you know, and that's in, uh, near the end of July. So, yeah, it's definitely possible. But I, I don't know. And the MLS teams just don't take this tournament, uh, the Open Cup, very seriously until you get to the finals. Do you put your star player Messi out on the field? in the Open Cup, a tournament that nobody respects, even though I'm with you, I agree, they should respect it. It's, it's, it should be a cherished tournament. I love it. But MLS teams just don't until they get to the final. So I don't know if you'd see Messi out on the field. You might see Busquets and whoever else is with him, but 
I don't know about Messi. It'd be exciting though. It'd be it it would uh it would definitely be history making. I mean we're we're at this point it's like what what are we at? MLS four or something like that. Messi is gonna transform this league. Why not, you know, put the open cup on the map by playing in it? I, I think it would be amazing. But I don't I, I, I don't I don't know if I expect it to happen. Well, we'll see what happens. But on a personal note for you, Peter, have you gone to Costco and stocked up on your Kleenexes or bounty paper towels? Because I know you'll be in shambles at Drive Pink Stadium. <laughs> it'll be it'll be a lot of fun. Drive Pink, like I said, it, they're going to increase the size of the stadium a little bit. They're going to fill in the corners, so it's going to be uh, every game is going to be sold out. And the funniest thing is. As I strike up conversations with people that aren't necessarily Inter Miami fans, but even the, even the guy when I was coming off the cruise, the customs agent sees me wearing an Inter Miami hat, so he just strikes up the conversation. People that aren't even Inter Miami fans are now interested in talking about Inter Miami. And when I mention that I'm a season ticket holder, they all look to my wife and say, "You know, he's rich <laughs> now, right?" <laughs> <laughs> He, it is going to be fun, and those tickets are going to be worth a lot. And that is oh, the real challenge for a supporter is, are you willing to sell a, a, a couple season tickets for a game or two that profit that you make on those tickets could potentially pay for your entire next season? It's a real question that exactly. the Miami fans have to ask themselves. Exactly, because I've already seen tickets already uh, – uh, when Messi comes to play uh, the Red Bulls in August, it's going to be worth a thousand bucks already. <laughs> it's already priced yeah. a thousand bucks. That's crazy. I mean, I oh want to see it. But I don't plan. I don't plan on selling my tickets. I want to be there, but I mean, it's a tempting thought, you know, for anybody. But I, I plan on being there and taking up. And yeah, I've got my Kleenex. I've got my. I've got everything. I am ready to cheer and and hopefully Messi is the savior and can turn this club around because. We came into this league saying that we're going to teach everybody football. You guys play soccer. We're going to teach you football. We came with this bravado that we just have not been able to back up. But hopefully uh, now we can actually be the uh, international team that the ownership has, has wanted it to be and, and, and really you know, be one of, one of the crown jewels of this league. Absolutely. Peter, thanks again for joining me tonight. Hope to have you back on in the future. And uh, let me know what that first match, that first home match feels like for you when you finally see the World Cup champion on that pitch. Have a good night again, and thanks again for joining me. All right. Thanks, Daniel. Talk to you later. Talk to you later. Peter Brown, Football Miami TV with Uncle Ed as they give you everything inter Miami and fun stuff as well. My next guest tonight, normally I have him on to talk about the San Jose earthquakes and everything in the Bay Area and California soccer, but today I talk about him. Of course, Area Sportsnet's own Fabian Rankle joins me tonight on a brand new venture. He is going into Fabian. Welcome back to the show. Good evening, and how are you, sir? Hey, Daniel. Thanks for having me on. It's a true pleasure to always be on the show, and it's always a good time. Oh, it's always great to have you on to talk about what goes on uh, with the game over in the Bay Area in California. But, you know, when you posted on Twitter that you're going to start up your own online soccer magazine, you know, I said to myself, that this is the guy that I think is going to be very successful. I know you have a great following through social media, but for those of us that are not familiar with it, 
Has you started already, or is it still in the planning stages? Your brand new online soccer magazine. What's the name of it, and what will it be mostly about? Yeah, so my soccer magazine is called Footwork. It's a S U T W R K. Um, it's a little wordplay there. We wanted to do six letters. Um, it, it, honestly, my magazine. We could talk X and O's all we want, but at the end of the day, a lot of people have podcasts for that. They have their go-to writers for that. But there was something that I was I felt was missing in the MLS scene and the United States soccer scene. When I was a kid, I would you know go to my local uh, savers and, and pick up magazines where I would see Slam magazine and I would see all these you know hip hop influenced magazines and all these you know photographer influenced magazines and I thought it was the coolest thing in the world and 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 I totally got into the sport of basketball because I love the culture behind it. I love you know, what it meant to put on a, a, a you know, Allen Iverson jersey. Um, if, if you have any Philly listeners out there, I understood what all the jerseys kind of represented more than just the game. And I, I want to do that. I want to show that to this younger generation and, and to a lot of new soccer fans, especially that are coming now with Messi, that, you know, there is culture behind this sport in the United States and, and we just have to show it to the world. Very, very true. So it's called Footwork. That's pretty cool. You know, I remember Slam Magazine uh, out on the shelves. Obviously, I read about it a little bit here and there. Obviously, um, NBA has their own magazine. It was at the time Hoop uh, Magazine. Uh, you know, the leagues, they produced their own little uh booklets or their own magazines, obviously Soccer America. I always remember them uh, buying on uh, at Barnes and Nobles. So, but yeah. you're going the online route. Uh, is that better for what you're trying to do now with this day and age in the modern era? Yeah, you know, we're going the online route because just logistically at this moment, it's probably the best route to go. Um, we, we're probably going to have to deal with a whole bunch of things down the road with logistics of getting it made, getting it shipped, getting all the copyrights, you know, everything taken care of. But with it being online and it being free, we can still succeed in the vision and, and the passion we have for the sport while we don't have to worry about that too much at this moment. So at this moment, it's going to be free to read, free to look, and it's going to be made by, you know, content creators and photographers and writers all from this market, and, and you may even see your favorite writer in there as well. Oh, that's going to be great. I can't wait. Now, will this mostly be in your area, in the Bay Area of California? Will it also be in Southern California? Or is that just a starting point, and will you expand it nationwide? Actually, to be honest, we're starting, you know, we're hitting the gates running. I mean, we're doing, you know, I'm going to give a little bit of, of this, but our first edition is going to be about, you know, um, what it what this new age of soccer is doing for the photographer. So that's that's kind of like the theme of our first issue. Um, what the photographer lens is seeing on the field and, and what it means for the social impact of soccer growing in America. And I mean, we're, we're having a spread about Messi coming over and, and photographers being excited about shooting for Messi and what does it mean for the fan. And and so what we're really we're really kind of doing anything possible to be nationwide. I don't want to just unfortunately put us in the Bay Area, but since I have a lot of connections with Area Sports Network, I have a lot of writers and a lot of photographers that help me create content. This is something that just felt natural for me and in progression of growing in this industry and, and providing, you know, something that I'm very proud of and something that I make other people can see this side that I see on the creative side. So I wanted to put people in the forefront of what I 
at least think creatively and what the photographers are as well. That's, that's, that's absolutely fantastic. And I'm also glad you're making it for free. I mean, don't get me wrong. If you wanted to make it paid content, I completely understand, or at least uh, star subscription based. I can understand that as well, but you know, that's just wonderful that you're allowing everyone to view your work and to give them your insights of all these things that you've, you've been planning uh, to discuss the sport as well. Yeah, no, it's definitely exciting. I mean, I was always going to secondhand stores and picking up dollar magazines. So I understand, you know, being that kid, possibly having access to, you know, the internet and not having those extra dollars. Um, so it, it resonates in my heart that I wanted to, you know, make something for free for, for the ones that, you know, can't afford the paid content. And, and there is paid content out there if you want it. So it's not like, you know, people that want to pay aren't missing out, but I thought it meant a lot to me to make it free for everybody. Of course, you know, if, if a sponsor wants to come down the way, uh, you know, down the road and, and take care of the covering costs so we can, you know, give this out to uh, physical copies, yeah, that would be great. But at this moment, the online route, making it free just seemed like right, especially when soccer is growing so fast and so rapidly. I feel like this is the perfect time to, to start showing people the other side of soccer, the creative side of soccer, um, the more, more of the culture side of soccer. No, very, very true. And you are in the magazine business, of course, I understand. It's not just the area of sports net that you are a part of, but I believe you are also a writer for Forbes. Is that right as well? Yeah, correct. So I, I do work for Forbes. I freelance for them here and there, and I, and I freelance for SB Nation. So it's something that I'm very accustomed to, and I'm something, something to be really excited to kind of share, especially on the writers and the photographer side, I can share my experience with them, and, and they can be proud of something that they worked on as well. Mm-hmm. No, that's fantastic to hear. So, um, are you are you you're already uh, producing the content, or is it still in the planning stages? I just want to make sure about that. Yeah, yeah. So we are technically in the planning stages, but we already have a couple of spreads that we're working on. I'm working with a couple of graphic designers and and photographers, and and we have I would say about four or five spreads that we're we're currently working on. Um, but the initial plan was to do it monthly, but it might be a little too much to do it monthly, so. I think we're going to just periodically go ahead and, and, and drop some online magazines here and there. But, again, it's going to date, you know, like the first issue is kind of catching everybody up to where we are in, you know, Soccer America at the moment, at least in the last year or two. But after that, we're going to try to, you know, make it pretty current. Um, and we're, since we have photographers all over the country at area, you know, a lot of those guys love to kind of shoot and, I have a I have a vision that I want to do, and they're all behind me, so we're we're truly excited. Uh, but yeah, we're currently still in the planning stages, but we're at the same time working on creating and producing the content, and, and the writers are working, and the photographers are shooting. <laughs> now, you being an executive producer of this magazine, I mean, I mean, obviously, I've read Sports Illustrated, I've read other sports magazines, uh, soccer magazines like World Soccer, of course. Um, mm-hmm. How many how many articles or how many stories are you looking for uh, to be involved in this? I mean, I'm assuming it's going to be more yeah. than maybe three or four. But I mean, you being in that business, how many articles or at least stories you're looking for to make your periodical at this point in time? Yeah, you know, this is this at least this part is still in the planning stage because you know I want to make a full on magazine, but at the same time I don't want to make it so that it's not so current, but it's a little hard to rush a lot of artists in, in this scene. I would say 
you know, you want to portray something that you're truly proud of. So uh, I'm still kind of thinking about how many stories we can truly get across in each online kind of magazine. Um, but I would say we're shooting for five or six. Um, of course, that's kind of still up in the air, but I still would like to, you know, have some sort of substance in each issue. But if it's possible, I, I wouldn't want to rush kind of the, the, the creativeness of this as well. No, absolutely. And like you said, you're just about to get started on this. You're still in the planning stages. And I understand completely, um, you know, how many times that we get these new businesses coming in, whether it be a magazine or whatever, and they're off to a great start. And next thing you know, uh, it fizzles out somewhere down the road. But obviously, that's not what I'm hoping for. I really want you to have the success uh, with this magazine to move forward and, of course, get bigger and better uh, going on there. Um, I, I guess... My next question would be is, you know, you being in the magazine industry, um, you know, for different types of genres of magazines, whether it be sports or mm -hmm. finance or building, you know, who are the writers that you, you know, follow through, your, you know, how you want to influence yourself to be well known, uh, not just online, but, you know, just say you want to make a, a you know, a hard copy paper uh, magazine out there. Like, who is your favorite writer that you would follow their stories on? Yeah, you know, to be honest with you, I'm a big sports, you know, I like sports writing a lot. I usually read a lot of the guys that you see around MLS. Uh, Jeffrey Carlisle is always someone that I've always really looked up to, and, and I've been reading his stuff for a while now. Um, another person was Grant Wall. I felt like, you know, every time he, he put a, you know, paper to, or excuse me, letters to a paper, I felt like it really resonated with him as a person and as a self, and, and I felt like that was always something I would always want to strive to be, and I would say if I had to put two out there in, in the sports world, that would be those two. No, that's fantastic. Yes, Jeffrey Carlisle, Grant Wall, those two are uh, the top, uh, they're the best. Um, obviously, I know Michael Lewis here on the East Coast. If you ever want to get in touch with him, I can try, and hopefully uh, I'll give you his information if you want after the show. I appreciate uh, that. You know, he's been around – uh, he's been around for a long, long time, and uh, Michael does an excellent job covering the sport as a whole all the way back uh, for so many, many, many years. Um, so what is the target date to once everything's all taken care of, the planning, um, the layouts, once you're ready to go and put this out online, what's your target date to uh, get this whole thing uh, published? Yeah, to be honest, I'm going to try to shoot for somewhere in the middle of this summer. Um, the original target date was July 1st, but that may be a little too close. With all, I mean, we, we, we announced this right before Messi came out, so Messi kind of you know, threw a wrench in everybody's kind of soccer plans for this summer. So um, I think it would be fair to you know, assume possibly in the middle of summer, so somewhere around July. Um, of course, our first issue is going to be a prototype, so I ask everybody that's listening today, if you're excited for the magazine, please bear with us. Um, there's always going to be – you know, roadblocks in, in the way and, and, and just and stay along for the ride because it's, it's going to be nice to go ahead and see, you know, soccer possibly in a new light, you know, in a, in a, in a way that you didn't see soccer before. So we're truly excited. And, of course, once our, the first issue comes out, you know, maybe some people around the league see it and we get more access and things happen like that. So, it, it, you know, it's only going to get better with time and, and we're excited for it. 
And I'm excited for you as well because, you know, I want to see more content out there, whether it be podcasting, video casting, or even, you know, magazines, whether it be hard print or online uh, magazines. You know, I really want to see success and and you growing very well on this. I'm really rooting for you. And hopefully uh, once it comes out, I'm going to take a look and – you know, I want to see what you're able to do and what magic you're going to bring to this whole situation. <laughs> yeah, well, thank you, Daniel. I really treat, I appreciate you and, and bringing me on this platform all the time. I mean, it's always a fun time to talk soccer, and, and that's what it is all about, right? For the love of the game, growing the sport, and, and I really appreciate everything you do for, for me and my career and especially for Footwork Magazine. We appreciate it. No, absolutely. And one more thing I wanted to ask you. Are you going to put anything personal on in this magazine, like a soccer memory of some sort? That's something that uh, brought you to love this game? Are you going to uh, do some sort of uh, op-ed to begin this or just, you know, whatever floats yeah. your boat? Yeah, so um, I have a couple of plans to add some personal backstories to it. It's not. It might not be mine every single time. Like, um, I, I might take the stories of you know, the photographers that shot the, the photos for the magazine, what got them into the sport and, and what, you know, keeps them here. So I would, yeah, I'm definitely going to go ahead and give my backstory eventually, but I'm also going to go ahead and give the backstories of the other creators of the, you know, of, they put their time and effort into this as well. That's fantastic to hear. And I'm once again, thank you very much for joining me tonight, Fabian, and uh, sharing this wonderful uh, news with all of us. And uh, once it comes out, just let me know, let everyone else know. And I'd love to have you back on the show to talk about this. But as always, I want to talk about those San Jose earthquakes and see what their season's going to be about. Thank you again, and have a good night. You too, Daniel. Thank you so much. Take care, everybody. Thank you. All right, thank you. Fabian Rankel, Area Sportsnet, covering the San Jose Earthquakes. But as always, uh, now with his brand new, very soon to come out, uh, Footwork uh, magazine, which will be online. And, of course, once that's officially ready to go, uh, hopefully we'll have Fabian back on and uh, we'll get more information for you uh, when that comes out. So uh, before I say goodnight, um, congratulations to the – U.S. men's national team successfully defending their CONCACAF Nations League championship, destroying Mexico 3-0, playing well and destroying Canada 2-0. They were just unbelievable. And if you go to beyond the 90 at sub.substack.com, check out my article on B.J. Callahan. I apologize because I didn't think he was the right guy. I thought he was just some schmo on the back end of things. I didn't think any knowledge or any tactics to be a interim head coach for the interim head coach. And you know what? He proved me wrong, and I'm glad that I was proven wrong. And so I wrote about it. Head over to beyondthe90.com, and it's on substack.com. And uh, check out that article. And uh, if you're not sure if it's still there or not, just click my name to any recent articles and just look at the list and just click on it and uh, go ahead and take a look. I want to thank my guests tonight, Peter Brown of Football Miami TV and Fabian Rankel from Area Sports Network. My name is Daniel Feuerstein. Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. Join me tomorrow night as I'll be joined by Carter Krishnayer and Robert Hay of World Soccer Talk as we will discuss the return of Greg Berhalter.
Thank you very much for listening to me tonight. And as always, please enjoy your football. Thank you. Take care. So long and bye-bye for now.